Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt, Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to johnji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at johnji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I.com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. So one afternoon last summer, producer Jessica Hunt toured a backyard unlike any other. No one is in here. We're preparing this for our bobcat. We've got our first bobcat. This is a, another porcupine. This is an ambassador that stays with us forever. We have 18 skunks right now throughout these oh my enclosures. This place is the Millstone Wildlife Center in Wyndham, New Hampshire, one of the tucked away places where sick or injured animals go after being found and reported by Good Samaritans. Franny Greenberg is the executive director, and when she gave me a tour, she had her phone like a necklace around her neck. She wore it the entire time. We get phone calls regularly, often, all day, all night. <laughs> but I was there to get to know one particular creature, kind of mysterious. Oh my goodness, you would scare me. I would back off from you. An opossum. 100%. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like a grumbly old man. <laughs> <laughs> he totally startled me. It came out of from nowhere. All of a sudden he was like, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, they, they lack the appeal, the natural appeal of the foxes or the raccoons that we walked by. They have grayish fur with a white face and a pointy nose and... A long, naked pink tail. Not everybody is a fan of opossums, and I think primarily that's because the hairless tail often reminds people of rats or mice. 
and you can you can understand like why they get a bad reputation. If this guy was five times bigger and had darker fur, he, he would he would be just like the swamp creature from from the Princess Bride. What about the RUSs? Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> But this is no rodent. Opossums are marsupials. They're more closely related to kangaroos and wombats than they are mice or rats. And I guarantee you, what I'm going to tell you about the Virginia opossum, Didelphus virginiana, is going to transform how you think about opossums. You will be incredibly popular at parties. You will be telling people factoids about opossums (laughs) for sure. The craziest part is that they have two vaginas, right? Two vaginas, two uteruses, and the males have a bifurcated penis, right? To match. What? Two vaginas. Yeah. yeah. A penis that splits in half. (laughs) Why? Why? Holy scat. On this edition of Holy Scat, we are going to rehab the image of North America's only marsupial. From a nocturnal, garbage-eating pest to something closer to an American icon. Plus, we will, of course, talk more about that bifurcated penis and two vaginas. Literally more, because there's a third temporary vagina, too. What? Hold on to your tails, Nate. I got you channeling your inner Samuel L. Jackson. I'm that cool. So let's talk about some of the awesome things that people probably already know about opossums. Okay, I'm ready. Many folks know that opossums have a prehensile tail, which means it can grasp things. They use it almost like a fifth appendage. Helps them with their balance when they're climbing trees, and they can even use it to help gather leaves and grasses to make a cozy nest. I would like to have a prehensile tail. Yeah. You know, I could have that like holding my my coffee mug and I take a sip of coffee while I'm typing and working. Microphone. Yeah, yeah, I can hold my microphone. People think that they hang from their tails, but they really don't. They can only do that when they're little, Mm -hmm. like very little or for like a super short period of time. Mm-hmm. And they don't sleep hanging upside down. What about those uh, photos of opossums hanging onto their mother's back? That is with help from their tail, but also uh-huh. with what Franny calls death grip paws. Death grip paws. Yeah, and those are thanks to an opposable hallux, uh-huh. a clawless big toe on their hind feet. So is it like a is it like a thumb, like a foot thumb? Yes, it is. It's to me the scariest thing about opossum with those feet hands i think they're sounding cooler and cooler with every new fact that we hear i mean with long prehensile tails and wild foot thumbs i don't know i'm gaining a a bigger appreciation for the opossum another somewhat commonly known fact nate can you take a guess let me think like what's a thing you know about possums oh let's see oh they play dead yeah they play dead he doesn't look happy he has like dog teeth. He's playing dead. I don't think he wants me to catch him and pet him. This is the cat possum my cat's brought in. Right now he's playing dead. He's pretending he's dead though. Hey, he'll probably hop up in a minute and hiss at me. We call it 
playing dead or playing possum, uh-huh. but they're not acting. Yeah. It's something they don't control. It's an involuntary reaction, almost like they faint in the face of danger. They're just like, oh, that's scary. Yeah, I'm going to check out. Right. Their system goes into a catatonic state. It's called thanatosis or tonic immobility, like catatonic. Mm -hmm. Its body gets flooded with stress hormones and chemicals. Mm -hmm. The opossum goes limp. Their heart and respiratory rate goes down. They lose bowel control. Their eyes don't blink. And they start to drool. I feel like I do that every time I'm faced with having to do something really stressful, with, with the exception of losing bowel control. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a bummer for possums. They can be in the state for like a couple minutes, mm-hmm. up to four to six hours. Like what, what happens, though, if they're like, oh, my God, I saw a car on the highway. Oh, I'm going to faint. And then they're out for like four to six hours. Like that doesn't seem like a very good like evolutionary trait. It doesn't. It doesn't. And they can be like pawed by a predator or something. Yeah. And they, But they don't perceive that. Uh-huh. And they're basically grossing out the predator to the point where the predator's evolutionary instinct kicks in. And they're like, oh, God, I don't eat rotten dead things. This could be bad for me. I'll move on. Maybe it is a better evolutionary trait than I, than I thought when it comes to predators. Yeah. It doesn't really help when it comes to cars. Yeah, cars, not so much. I've also heard that they eat tons of ticks, like that, like they're like tick vacuums. Possums eat 99% of ticks that get on them. So they're like little vacuum cleaners. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people have that perception. Unfortunately, it seems to not be bearing out. Really? There was a widely publicized study that showed captive opossums will eat boatloads of ticks when grooming. But afterwards, studies of wild opossums put those results into question. So more research needed to know for sure. That's a bummer. That's minus one for possums. Like, I thought that was one of the best things, honestly, that they had going for them. Yeah. Well, they do eat the mice. They do eat the mice that carry ticks. Uh So there's that. Let's talk about some of the stuff a lot of folks don't know about possums. Okay. So first, they have 50 teeth, which is more than any other land mammal in North America. How many teeth do we have? We have 32. They're way teethier than we are. Yeah, those uh, an opossum's skull almost looks like an alligator's. It's so narrow, and then they have all these teeth bristling out of it. And they can and will use those teeth to eat just about anything. Plants and fruit, bugs, birds, their tossed-out garbage, dead animals. They are the ultimate omnivores. They have a very short life, about two years, but they are evolutionary all-stars. They've survived mostly unchanged for 70 million years. Wow. That, no, that is a really long time. Right. Its ancestors were scurrying around when Tyrannosaurus rex was still around. That is so wild. They should have been in Jurassic Park. I wish Jurassic Park had had opossums (laughs) jumping off of trees and biting people in their necks or something. Took a dark turn. So you know how some people say opossums and some people just say possums? Yeah. Well, those are actually different animals. Our North American friend is an opossum. No kidding. And the various species of possums are similar animals that live mostly in Australia and New Zealand. Are they related whatsoever? They are. 
And actually, all marsupials, like kangaroos, wombats, koalas, Mm -hmm. all those creatures that are characteristically Australian, all descended from something resembling our North American opossum. Really? And the only limit to the opossum's range here is really cold winters. Mm -hmm. They can get frostbite on their ears and tail, but the opossum has been moving north in the last century as winters warm. And it was first seen in southern New England in the 1930s. And now they're all over the place. I didn't know that. I I just assumed that possums had always been in New England, you know, since time immemorial. I didn't realize that they're like recent transplants. Exactly. They are. And... They've been in what is now the United States since before first contact, and people have definitely been paying attention. I also love the feel of a possum's fur. It's like no other animal. It has a kind of a wonderful delicacy and strength to it. Joe Bruchak is a wildlife rehabilitator and an Abenaki tribal member. The word opossum is a borrowed word that originally means something like white-faced one or white-nosed one. Mm-hmm. Apasum is a Pamunkey word, the Pamunkey dialect of uh, the Algonquin tongues. Joe told me the Cherokee story about what happened to the opossum's tail. They say possum was very vain because his tail was long and silky and covered with silvery hair. And he always liked to sort of drape it over his arm and walk around telling everyone, look at my beautiful tail. Isn't it the best tail of all? Oh, possum, you shouldn't do that. I think the other shoe's going to drop for you. Raccoon decided to do something about that. So raccoon and cricket, in another version, gave possum a tail care routine he said would make it even more stunning. So possum did exactly that. Put on the medicine, wrapped the tail in a rattlesnake shed skin, and waited for a week. Never trust, never trust raccoons. So then after that week, he called all the other animals together because he wanted them to see how wonderful his tail was after this special treatment. And as he unwrapped that rattlesnake skin, not only the skin came off, but so too did all of his hair, leaving it as naked as can be and no longer looking beautiful. He was so embarrassed that he immediately threw himself down on the ground and pretended to be dead. And to this day, it is said possum still does that. When someone gets too close and sees his or her tail, possum immediately rolls over and pretends to be dead, still embarrassed to this day. jerk move on raccoon's part or cricket's <laughs> part like come on guys so all of these folks who are telling stories about opossums definitely chowing down on opossums. wait chowing down yeah they were eating the, the opossums been on the menu since the very beginning wow apparently they taste like pig but if you're going to eat an opossum you want to capture them alive that's not too hard because they cooperate by playing dead Or they could be treed with dogs, basically scared up a tree and then shaken out alive. I don't know if it's the greatest evolutionary trait, you know, playing dead. I just don't (laughs) think it's it's the best move. And there's even an old folk song about possum hunting. It's by a guy named Sam Lucas, a free black man born in Ohio not long before the Civil War. But I want you to hear a recording done by someone else in 1940. It's from the Library of Congress. 
Oh, my dog did bark and I went to see, carve him to the heart. There was a possum up that tree, carve him to the heart. Carve that possum, carve that possum, children. Carve that possum, carve him to the heart. Oh, I Carve him to the heart. So you wanted to catch them alive, mm-hmm. especially in the fall, because you could fatten them up with things like acorns and nuts that were right. plentiful. Mm-hmm. And because opossums are renowned scavengers. So if you have the opportunity to feed them clean food like table scraps, as opposed to like disgusting roadkill, the meat will be healthier and tastier. Mm-hmm. Lay sweet potatoes in the pan, carve him to the heart, the sweetest eating in the land, carve him to the heart. So traditionally, opossum were served with sweet potatoes, and black folks were considered the culinary experts on opossum, and that's in part because opossum hunting was popular among enslaved people who sometimes had dogs, but usually weren't allowed guns. But opossum, it was popular with just about everybody in the South. Even the joy of cooking had a recipe for cooking opossum. Really? The joy of cooking had it? Yeah, yeah. Would you eat possum? If, if someone was like, hey, I've got some possum cooking in the back, you want some? I would want to try it for sure. Same, yeah, yeah. especially especially because it kind of tastes like pig, I heard, so maybe it tastes like <laughs> <Yeah>. bacon. <laughs> bacon, I don't know. So there was a time when opossums were so popular to eat that they would be included as part of a Thanksgiving spread. In fact, President William Howard Taft had a 30-pound Georgia opossum as well as a turkey at his presidential Thanksgiving. So they were really popular. In fact, there are so many presidential possum facts that I decided to put together a little trivia quiz based on a series of Folklife Today blogs called Of Possums and Presidents. Want to play? Yes, but honestly, I think I'm the wrong person for this. Can I call in a ringer? Yes. Nick? Yes, yes. Hello, hello. This is Nick. Hello. This is our friend and colleague Nick Capodice, co-host of another NHPR podcast called Civics 101. Okay, Nick, I feel like you might actually know the answers to this. Let's see how you do. It's Presidential pet possums. Presidential pet possums? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Let me see. So first question. One early president who was a farmer, animal lover, and dog breeder tried to send a pair of opossums to Ireland. Who was the president? Wow. So he was. A, you said he was a dog breeder? Yep. Was it George Washington? You Whoa! got it! <laughs> Good well, guess, you said Nick. early. I mean, that it, was the clue. Well, thank you, thank you. I have another one. Which president asked to have some opossums sent to him when he was in France, serving as an ambassador prior to his presidency? Well, um, the only president I know of that had this sort of tenuous relationship with France, and this is a guess, uh, Thomas Jefferson. Yes, you're two for two. Okay, two out of two. Yeah, he also was obsessed with woolly mammoths, apparently. Really? He had mammoths on the brain all the time. (laughs) All right, I have another one. This president lost the popular vote, but he must have been popular with the Republican Party because he had a pair of pet opossums named after planks of the Republican Party. Now, Jessica, this one I know because we hosted a round of um, presidential pets on Civics 101 once. So I knew, like, you know, John Quincy Adams had a silkworm and Donald Trump never had a pet. But I am pretty sure that the only president at this era 
who had possums in the White House is Benjamin Harrison. You are correct. And they had, what were their names, Jessica? Like Mr. Humanity and Mr. What something? Yeah, Mr. Protection and Mr. <laughs> Reciprocity. Mr. Reciprocity, get out of that garbage can. <laughs> Those are really great names. All right, one more. Which president grew up during the Great Depression and recalls hunting and eating opossum growing up? Ooh. So it's someone who grew up in the Depression, so I'm going to think about this. Hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Grew up in the South. Yeah. Jimmy Carter? You got it! Yep. <laughs> I was about to give you a peanut hint, but uh, you're, you're too good. You don't eat it. Oh, that was, that was a shot in the dark. Jimmy Carter said the best way to eat a possum was, quote, in very small quantities. <laughs> so he didn't think it tasted like, uh, like bacon, like pig. Yeah, apparently was not fond of it. Nick, thank you so much for for uh, taking my place in this this trivia game. I really appreciate it. And just so everybody knows, like where where can uh, where can we find you? What's 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 the podcast again? Uh, it's called Civics One Hundred and One from NHPR. And much like Outside In, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts or at our website, Civics One Hundred and One Podcast dot org. It's a really great podcast. I love it. Y'all should give it a listen. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, bye, guys. Coming up, we look at the bonkers opossum reproductive system, and then we go inside the pouch to find out more about what really sets possums apart from all other mammals. I know people who leave leftovers in their refrigerator longer than it takes for a possum to bake a little a little cookie tray of baby possums. And speaking of pouches, we'd love it if you dug deep into yours to make a donation to New Hampshire Public Radio. To find out how, look at the show notes. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hi, I'm Lale Aracoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness really, I found transformative. Or a story told when safely back on dry land. 
you know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Lale Arakoglu, every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Outside In. I'm here talking about the awesome possum with Jessica Hunt, who is working to rehab their image from the giant ghost rat to an American icon on par with the American bald eagle. That's right. I am all about opossum advocacy. I don't know how I got here, but here I am. And so far, we've heard about a prehensile but very rat-like tail, more teeth than any other land mammal in North America, and as the featured dish for Thanksgiving. But what else do you have to convince us that the opossum is really awesome? Oh, Nate, strap in. We're going to talk about the two wildest things about opossums, things that set them apart from all other mammals on the continent. Mm -hmm. And it's not the teeth or tail. The first is reproduction. We got a little taste of this earlier. Yes. So heads up. For the kiddos and parents, it's going to get very anatomical here. The birds and the bees and the opossums. That's right. So we're going to start off with the males. Mm -hmm. Things are arranged differently. Their testicles sit in front of their penis, and the penis is bifurcated. It's split. They're like the Picasso version of a mammal. (laughs) They are. Everything's a little off. And it, and you do have to kind of imagine it because they keep it within their body. So you're not likely to see one unless the opossum is playing dead. Why does it emerge when they're when they're playing dead? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. That. Like, well, that, that one's definitely dead. I can see his penis. <laughs> so I can't really answer that, Nate. But I do know that you're more likely to see it. If you're a rehabilitator like Jessica Anderson at the Blue Ridge Wildlife Center in Virginia. We've had a a few come in that were feeling down and out. So, you know, it was just kind of hanging out. But it's got two heads to it, essentially. So it it splits almost like, you know, a forked snake tongue in that way. So when they're mating, it matches and can go into both vaginas of the female. And those two vaginas of the female lead to her two uteruses. Two different uteruses? Yes. Huh. If you recall, the scientific name for the Virginia opossum is Didelphus virginiana. Mm-hmm. And in Greek, Didelphus means mm-hmm. double womb. Double womb. Okay. And then marsupial is Latin for of the pouch. So like having a pocket, like a, like a kangaroo. Right. I always thought that the pouch was just the animal equivalent of a baby Bjorn. But it's actually a crucial part of the marsupial reproductive system. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a fully functional placenta. It's very short-lived, and that's where the pouch comes in. At two weeks after conception, baby opossums are still essentially embryos. You can fit 20 of them in a teaspoon. In a teaspoon? That's tiny. Yeah, they're about the size of a bee. Wow. But they've already developed front limbs and little front claws... Because instead of being born, they basically claw their way to the pouch. And then instead of using one of those vaginas as this lovely little exit area, um, 
her uterus says, actually, no, we'll just like dissolve a little area of connective tissue and the embryos will literally crawl out and exit that way. And they call it a pseudovaginal canal, but I like Anne Hilborn's name for it, which is space portal vagina. I prefer that. I think that's much more exciting. (laughs) I feel like whatever created or whoever created the opossum was just having fun. They were just throwing stuff at the wall and being like, yeah, let's try this. Let's try that. And this is just 10 to 12 days after becoming pregnant. I know people who leave leftovers in their refrigerator longer than it takes for a possum to bake a little a little cookie tray of baby possums. Now, the mother opossum's nipples are hidden inside the pouch, and there are 13 of them, 12 in a horseshoe shape and one in the middle. Sounds like a fantasy novel. Yeah. So once these tiny babies swim, army crawl up the mom's abdomen to the pouch, then... It's a race to the finish. She can have over 20 babies, but only the 13 that connect to a nipple will survive. So she's like, I made more than I need. Somebody's got to get there. Brutal. Immediately, it's a race for survival. But it's also incredible, right? Incredibly incredible. It's so cool to look at compared to what we think of as our norm and like what we're used to and how humans go through it and for possums to just be like yeah you know twice a year i just like pop out 25 little popcorn chicken nuggets hope for the best and then two to three years from now i hope one of them replaces me so it's crazy all right Unlike kittens and puppies or horses and humans, they all used their tongue and pressure to draw out the milk from the mm-hmm. nipple. But in the case of the tiny opossums, their mouths actually seal onto the nipple. And that slowly drips down their throats like an IV, a constant drip, for about nine weeks until their eyes are open and they have their fur and they could climb out of the pouch and onto mom's back. Basically, it's like the whole stage of pregnancy is taking place right there. Uh, instead of in the womb. Exactly. Which brings us to an existential question. When was the opossum born? When it Mm. claws its way out of the space portal vagina? Or when it emerges from the pouch? So I'm always confused when people bring us possums and they bring us babies and they're like, how old do you think they are? And I'm like, I have no idea because what what is birth? Is birth coming, you know, 10 to 12 days or is birth emerging from this external womb, which it essentially is, you know, they don't have belly buttons. They don't have umbilical cords because they get all of that nutrients from the nipple that they're now connected to. So it's just, it's just like if nature was like, how can we do this in another way? They were like marsupials. Excellent. So after reproduction, I am I am almost afraid to ask what the second wildest thing is about opossums. Well, we have less genitalia in this one. The second wildest thing is that opossums have this uncanny resistance to snake venom. Huh. They can be struck up to 80 times by a venomous snake before they feel the effects of the venom. They eat venomous snakes. Whoa. I think you could say the most venom-resistant species in the world, um, perhaps besides snakes resistant to their own venom. That's Daniel Drabeck. 
She's a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Minnesota. Snakebite death in the U.S. is rare, but venom can still mess you up permanently because it gets into your bloodstream and just starts ripping tissue apart. Right, like, yeah, venom's super nasty. And every time I'm walking in rattlesnake country, I always have my dogs unleashed because I would hate to see them get bit by a rattlesnake. Yeah. So the opossum has evolved like an automatic protective mechanism. It circulates in the blood and it deactivates the venom. Great move, possum. Like, <laughs> I get that you've got some some strange, otherworldly things about you, but that was a smart move. Yes, and it may be the key to their adaptability over time. And they're like, ooh, maybe I can eat even more toxic things, and then maybe I can eat even more toxic things, and then that's how you evolve to super resistant mammals. <laughs> So, so, so to recap, super toxic, resistant mammals that eat almost everything, that reproduce quickly. I'll give it to you, Jessica. These are pretty amazing animals. Aren't they? So here we are ignoring them in so many ways, but they are absolutely thriving. Hmm. What do you mean? They can be trained to use a litter box, but they're not domesticated. They have no trouble returning to the wild, even after having been fed regularly. Really? And they don't stake out a territory. Um, they opportunistically move to wherever they can find food. So you could drop them off 50 miles from from where you caught one and and it'll be fine. It'll figure it out. Yeah. Their fur is incredible, but their reproductive rate means we didn't put a dent in the population when fur trading was a thing. Changes to the climate are helping them expand rather than reduce their range. So I'm starting to think that their appearance, which we generally just find unappealing, is absolutely the point. They don't need to be cute to survive and thrive right alongside us. Right. And we're like projecting our own cuteness on them anyways. I'm sure that other possums think that's a cute opossum. <laughs> and they're just pretty amazing animals. So. so one more factoid before we go, because I said that they faint at the slightest sign of danger, but that's not really true. You heard that one hiss at me. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that before they faint... They can be pretty damn scrappy no matter the size. They hiss, they bite, they poop and throw their poop. They have anal gland secretions. They're fierce, fierce. They throw their poop? (laughs) Apparently. How do they do that? With their tail? (laughs) This is not called holy scat for nothing. This episode was reported and produced by Jessica Hunt. It was edited by Taylor Quimby. Additional editing help from me, Nate Hedgie, Justine Paradise, and Felix Boone. Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer. Music in this episode came from Walt Adams, Signy, and Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In, a.k.a. Opossum Advocacy Radio, is a listener-supported production of New Hampshire Public Radio.